Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago. You are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yurko. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good Karma Brands radio station. Well, this should be a victory Monday. Unfortunately, it's a heartbreaking lead up to the holiday. Uh, that it is. That it is. And it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me a slew of sandwiches for the morning crew here. Oh, why is that? Me and Shane Orling made a bet last week when uh, Carmen was out of sickness. And uh, I bet the Bears this week. Shay had said that straight the, up, yeah, uh, straight up now, yeah, wavy. Do you really want to love me forever? <laughs> uh, 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 straight up, yes, hundred percent straight up. And I lost, and I lost. I got to buy breakfast sandwiches tomorrow from a place called Fontana's, yeah, which is on uh, Michigan Avenue sure. over there. Open at eight a.m., so I'll be over there picking up some sandwiches. Tomorrow. Who at Who at Hallis Hall uh, owes some sandwiches? Who at Hallis Hall? Oops, yeah, I, I, possibly who, who? Uh, Luke Getzey. Possibly uh, Eberflus. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, another fourth quarter collapse. You think they're I mean, eating crow today? It may only be 10 points, but it's still fourth fourth quarter collapse. The numbers with the fourth quarter collapse. And welcome in, everyone. It's uh, Carmen and Yurko. Peggy sitting in for Carmen. Um, and you can always check us out, as, as always, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. YouTube on the ESPN Chicago app as well. Uh, lots of places to listen as we dissect yesterday's loss by the Bears. What could have been a signature win instead, wow, came down as just a, a signature loss. Once again, the numbers, though, Yerk, uh, these losses, these double-digit losses in the fourth quarter, third one this year yep and uh it's not just oh they've lost three double digit leads they're doing it in a fashion that uh, is memorable and almost historic in in the annals of the nfl yeah it's frustrating too it's historic and it's frustrating teams don't lose this way you know you see a a team like miami drop a double digit uh, lead in the fourth quarter like once Every four or five years, uh, the, the Bears are making a, a bad habit out of it. And it's unfortunate. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that's the way it works. But that's where the Chicago Bears are. And, boy, this Cleveland one. Uh, you want to talk about something that would have captured the city? Oh. Here, even if all, all the crap that happened over everything, of all the crap the whole day, if Mooney just finds a way to hold on, yeah, it's such a different spin today. Yep. Now, you still did things wrong, but when you win, you go back and you look at things with a positive light, even though it was negative during the day. What happened? Look at that. Boy, how'd this happen? Whoa, what's going on? What are we doing dropping Justin Jones into coverage here late in the game, you know? Should we maybe have a better play than that play? And then why on that blitz, when we zone blitz, it did nobody get to the quarterback? And Joe Flacco seemed to have uh, a 1,000 yards of time when we needed the best pass rush of the day on this specific play. So... There's a number of different things that you could ask yourself, but the spin would be so much different today if Mooney could just hang oh. on to the ball. Mooney! I mean, why couldn't Mooney hang on to the darn ball? Either way, he didn't. The Bears lost. And now, it doesn't make a difference whether you like it or not. 
there's going to be heads on the chopping block. Yeah. And everybody's head is available for the chopping block. That's the way it works. The guillotine is being sharpened. That's the way it is. It's reality. The guillotine is being sharpened right now as we speak. Just the fourth team in the last decade to lose when its defense had at least three interceptions and four sacks. In When your defense has three interceptions and four sacks, NFL team records in those games, 97-4-1. Yep. 97-4-1. That is how overwhelmingly you are favored to win the game. Yeah, they are. The Bears are just, they've they've broken out of the mold. What do they say about uh, good teams find ways to win and the ball will bounce in their favor and and you get lucky? Bad teams, they just find a way to lose. The Bears are not a good team yet. The defense looks pretty elite for 15 minutes of... Well, they look good for 40, 45 minutes. 45 minutes, Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, they allowed 220-some-odd yards passing in the fourth quarter. 212 yards Come passing on. by Joe like, Flacco you, you, in the you fourth just quarter. Fall asleep? I go, did you guys all, did, did, did the clock strike midnight, and all of a sudden you guys couldn't play football anymore? Come 2.30 in the afternoon, you guys can't figure out how to play defense anymore? Be at 3.30 Eastern time, of course. But 2.30 Central time, all of a sudden you forget what you were doing the whole day. You forgot what you did all day. So... This is what Matt Eberflus had to say on why the Bears did not win the game. It comes down to the fundamentals. Um, When you watch the tape and look at it, it'll be that, and it'll be about playmaking. You know, we got to make the plays on the stretch. And uh, that's what it's always going to be about. You know, we finished, you know, last week, uh, we we had good fundamentals, and we finished down the stretch. We made sacks. We made interceptions. um, You know, we drove the ball, had four minutes. You know, we did a good job on all areas and finished the game out the right way. And and the NFL is always going to be that. You know, it's – Got to play to the last uh, to the last second, and again, like I said, I'm proud of our guys. At the last second, we had a chance to win it, and uh, that, that's that's much much improved. And uh, we're going to cash in on those uh, coming up. But some would say they took their foot off the gas in the third quarter and got conservative, and even players got conservative, and, and they thought with a 10 point lead, you know, all was good. Uh, a lot of teams don't take their foot off the gas in the NFL. No, not when you have someone like Joe Flacco who just did back-to-back games over 300 yards passing. And, uh, <laughs> and you had shut him down all day. You had shut him down. All day you had shut him down. It, it, I mean, first half you had 140 yards passing. Third quarter, 22 yards passing. Fourth quarter, you let him pass for 212 yards. Couldn't tackle, didn't want to tackle. All of a sudden, everybody on the other team looked like a world beater. Number two, is that Amari Cooper? Yeah. Number two looked like an all-star. Well, Co- all of a sudden in the fourth. Yeah, but going in, going in, they knew that Amari Cooper was the favorite target sure. of Joe Flacco. Right. You allowed him to catch the ball going to the sideline, turn it up the field, and turn it into a touchdown. You didn't even make it difficult. You didn't make it difficult is what the problem is. You know, you, you were shutting him down all day. or You know, early on you were shutting him, on, uh, uh, shutting him out all day. And all of a sudden you let one big cross-country route beat you. And that put him in a position, and if you you stop him, you hold him a field goal. Instead, you let him get into the end zone. Then they have tying the, you know tying that game up seven seven. It, it, it just frustrating. You've got him. I get the other team gets paid money too, and they're going to make some plays. But boy, 
it, it wasn't necessarily just them doing tremendous things. And then you had Tanyan drop the ball. You had the drop at the end of the game. You had the kind of what to me was an overthrow to Tyler Scott on the sideline on the final drive at the 50-yard line. Right. It just a number of different things. Yeah, everybody took their turn kind of making a mistake and everybody taking their turn making a mistake. Finally, it killed the team. Ultimately, it killed them. The offense had three points in the second half, uh, benefited from a defensive touchdown, and had their offensive touchdown early on. That was uh, Cole Komet after they had, on their eighth try from the goal line after Eddie Jackson's return to the one-yard line. So uh, the offense, we knew they would struggle, though. We knew that they would struggle against Cleveland. They had eight three-and-outs, but you still got to put points up. You still have to put points up on the board when you can. And when those opportunities present themselves, you got to make the play. Yeah, it's like your defense finally wore down because they kept being asked to go back on the field all the time. Right. Because your offense can't generate a first down for the life of them. Um, yeah, I, listen, that, that pass rush was getting after you. you know, but, but there were plays to be made, and, and you just refused for one reason or another to make the plays. It, it's frustrating. The problem is now it costs people jobs. Now this is going to cost people jobs. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. When you don't win in this league, people's jobs get lost. And that's where you're going to find yourself at the end of this year. Because these three games are just being played out. These are what I call the lovey games. You come back and you win these three meaningless games. Right. They're meaningless. They're meaningless games. For a young team, some would say for a young team learning how to win, they're important games. But they're meaningless at the end of the day. So when you say jobs now will be oh, lost, yeah. uh, not just coaching. Oh, no. Players will lose their players jobs, Players will lose their yes. jobs. Yes. Players that were, were uh, looking for a spot on this roster next year will not be back. And, and I think, Yurko, that's one of the things when, when you say that a team can't finish, you're basically also saying not only do the coaches need to put them in a position to win, but the players themselves aren't good enough to finish. Well, they need to execute. And well, and if you're not if you're executing, n- then you're not good enough. If you're not good enough over the course of time, it becomes apparent. You know, not being good enough on one individual play doesn't bother you, but not being good enough on a, a numerous individual plays over the course of a season then dictates that, hey, okay, you just can't play here. That's fine. We, we now know that. You can't play here. You probably can't play in the league. And we wish you the best of luck in your future. And you'll come to find that out a little bit later. You'll find out about the coaches first. Who they like and who they don't like. You'll find that out right away. You'll find that out first. Then you'll find out which players they didn't necessarily like either as time goes on. That just Because you ain't got to make a move on the players on January 8th. You make the move on the coaches on January 8th. Right. The, you make the move on the players as time goes on, beginning of the NFL season. Well, and then don't they also, when it comes, when the window opens up for those fifth-year options on the rookie contracts like Justin Fields, is that March? When does that happen? That happens fairly early. I think it happens before the beginning of the league year. That's what I thought. Right. You've got to put a fifth-year designation on those players. Which yes. why, when people say, oh, they haven't, they haven't given, you know, extended his fifth-year, uh, they haven't picked up his fifth-year option yet. Well, no one from that rookie class of Justin Fields has had their option picked up yet because that window doesn't it's open yet. It's not necessary, yet. yeah. Right. It opens up in March. Uh, 312-332-3776. When we come back. 
Let's open up the phone lines. We'll take your calls, your reaction to yesterday's game. Darnell Mooney had some things to say about his teammates, and the rest of the locker room were shaking their head over some of the play calling as well. We'll get into that when we come back. It's Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, 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 Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Would have been nice to talk about a win. It should have been their signature win of the season. Instead, it became the Bears' third, fourth quarter double-digit, giving up a double-digit lead of the year. And uh, they dropped to 5-9. and Playoffs are pretty much out of reach. Not mathematically eliminated, but they would lose just about every every tiebreaker. It's done. Yeah. The, I mean, the victory against the, they're only if they went nine and eight they had a sixty two percent chance of making it. Uh, right. That means there's a thirty eight percent chance of them not making it. At eight and nine, I have them eliminated from playoff consideration. Right. Yeah. So they're done. They're done. That's the way it is right now. What you've got is some Paul Arpin trucks dropping off some boxes for stuff that guys have in the off season. Whatever they're going to take back to their respective hometowns, some cleats. Some uh, some sweat Already? stuff, yeah. Already, well, oh yeah. They're cleaning out their lockers. No, I'm, they're not cleaning them out. They're, they're getting just, ready. They're getting preparations yeah. ready. You think a lot of guys are uh, injured right now and not going to play out the rest of the season? Uh, I don't think so. If you're playing for contracts, I mean, if you're so playing for somebody else, the guys who already have a contract, yeah. guys for other sets of eyeballs, you know, they, they need to still impress. Yeah. If they plan on c- continuing to play someplace else, um, Tevin Jenkins, do you want him uh. to play? After he hurt his, I, what I would, they said concussion, looked to me to be a back issue. You got to look and see how he hit his head. Yeah. Uh, he hit his head, which kind of crinkled his back in, the, in an aw- awkward angle. Uh, he's in concussion protocol. We'll hear from Matt Eberflus coming up at the bottom of the hour or shortly around that time uh, and find out on the status of Tevin Jenkins and anyone else. I don't remember anyone else leaving the game injured uh, yesterday, but uh, Yannick Ngakwe is already on IR, so his season is over. And his time with the club is probably You think over, so? Too. Yes. Now, why do you say that so quickly? Because he signed a one-year contract. He's a mercenary. Uh, I he's a guy that him. goes from team to team to team. That's to team. what he does. Yeah, that's what he does, and that's what he'll continue to do next year. Because they need bookend pass rushers. I, I don't disagree with you, but you don't need a guy at the bookend making ten million dollars. You need a guy at the bookend making one point four million dollars. So someone in the draft. Since you made the commitment commitment to Sweat, uh, and Sweat's been able to do it, and Sweat was able to do it without Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, you figure you're going to be able to put somebody over on that other side, uh, some young player that you want to go ahead and build upon and have him become a complimentary pass rusher. That's what I believe should happen. Let's go out to the phone lines. Uh, they're they're fired up talking about last night's uh, loss, yesterday afternoon's loss, I should say. Jameis is in lacrosse. Hi, Jameis. Hey, yeah, We're doing good. What's going on, Jameis? Uh... I think, I mean, the problem is, who do we fire? 
if you let Getsy stay, you can't let Getsy stay. So then you have to take Ibrahim out. So then do you take Justin out? I mean, this is a complete mess. And I just don't know the answer, but that was an absolute you-know-what show. It's a puzzle, Jameis, it's a puzzle right now that do you you keep Getze and and, uh, move on from Justin Fields? Do you move on from Justin Fields and Luke Getze and bring in, draft a quarterback and bring in a new offensive coordinator, which would also be another, a new defensive coordinator? Uh, Do you get rid of Eberflus and Getze? And then that brings in a new head coach with two new coordinators. It's a puzzle, Yerk. Yeah, it, it, it is a puzzle, and that's part of your problem. And for three quarters yesterday, it looked like you had whatever answers you wanted because you were beating a pretty damn good team from the AFC North. And for three quarters of the game, it looked good, and then the epic collapse happens. The collapse happens where all of a sudden the defense doesn't remember how to play. They don't know all of a sudden after dominating a team for the better part of three quarters, all of a sudden you can't cover and you can't tackle. Yeah, it's a bad combination. So there's repercussions. I mean, I thought I was impressed. I'm like, look, you're tooth and nail with the team in the AFC North. Uh, of course, they had four backup linemen, and at the point, the only healthy guy they had, they had five backup linemen. Playing. Yes, they did, and two uh, backup safeties. Both of their starting safeties were yeah. out. So uh, yeah, uh, I want to let, let's go to what everyone's talking about after the game last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, and they were talking about in the locker room, and that was Matt Eberflus getting aggressive on the uh, Browns' final drive that led to the go-ahead field goal. Let, let break down for me what the call was that had Justin Jones dropping back into coverage, and he had, uh, was it a blitz he had with I felt like they ran the play twice in a row. Okay. So it's a zone blitz. Yep. So what you do with a zone blitz is that your lineman flashes, and then he drops off into the area. This is made famous by Dick LeBeau. Okay. Dick LeBeau ran it with the Pittsburgh Steelers for forever in uh, in the 90s, and it continued on. We ran it up in Green Bay. Matter of fact, we utilized it as part of a 3-3 defense that we played against San Francisco where I dropped in coverage a lot on Brent Jones. It was actually covering uh, Jerry Rice 17 yards down the field. Covered Tim Brown, touchdown Timmy Brown from the uh, L.A. Raiders, um, you know, seven, eight yards deep in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the defensive backfield um, because we're trying to bring a blitz and you're bringing them from different directions and you're wanting to walk, occupy a lineman then drop out, and then he's got to figure out what side he's got to go to to help. Um, so it's a way of getting pressure without exactly bringing too many bodies and leaving everybody exposed on the back end. And this is this is very normal to have either a tackle or an end right. drop back. Yes. Which the, the, the key is you got to get to the quarterback because you got to make him right. rush his throw. You're, you're, you're sending uh, what looks like an all-out blitz, and then you're dropping a guy out to help you in coverage. So on the first play, it was the screen play. And Justin Jones read the screen, didn't drop back into coverage. They brought the blitz, stayed there at the line of scrimmage, and brought down, brought him down on a play, brought the running back down on a play. Right. Next play comes in. That was Ford. Justin Jones is getting depth. Right? And it looked like uh, Naga- uh, Njoku was, jo- yeah. Yeah, was going to 
They're going to run crossing routes. They're going to come in front of each other, and they're going to run crossing routes and continue on. Well, at that point, it would have been when Najoku crosses his face, he would have then gone into pursuit and stayed with them and tried to bring him down in a tackle. Najoku saw what was happening, yes. caught the eye of the quarterback, yes. and adjusted his route, adjusted his route, went behind exactly uh, Jones, and the ball got lofted over the top. Jones, not athletic enough and probably exhausted for playing, exactly, um, didn't quite have the legs to be able to catch up with Njoku. So l- let's also give credit to the fact that Joe Flacco, in his third game yep. with the Cleveland Browns, uh, was introducing himself and wearing name tags at practice because he didn't know who anyone was had great communication with Ninjoku at that point to make the adjustment and, and to know what and, he was going to do. All it was was just a, a look, a look. And and he saw the adjustment, and he started rolling a little bit left. When he rolled left, he saw the and then just lofted it up over the top. So let me ask you. And is did that it enough? It, it, is that, I mean, it's a little aggressive for Eberflus to call that. We've all wanted him to be more aggressive at times. At that point in the game, uh, should he have been a little bit more conservative? No, I mean, does listen, it, you're damned if you do, you're damned if okay. you don't. I was going to say, doesn't so, a cover two kind of allow the short intermediate pass and then not breaking? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't sometimes. I mean, don't you want to get to the quarterback, force the fumble, get yes. the ball back to your offense? Of course you do. That's what you want to do. 17-17 at that point. You've got to find a way um, to stop them. Um, we blamed them for being conservative when they lost the 14-point lead. You can't just sit back and take it. Once they get in the field goal position, they had their timeouts. You, you, you've got to go out and you've got to make something happen for yourself. Uh, the zone blitz has been utilized all the time. And when you get to the quarterback, you look like a genius. When you don't get to the quarterback, you look like a fool. Even the players in the locker room were shaking their heads and saying, we're just doing what was called. Uh, that's not a good sign when they start speaking out. I against- don't know. I saw him for two weeks in a row and everything was perfect and everybody was pulling on the same side of the rope and everything was fantastic. And then when you have a collapse, the collapse is not the time to go ahead and bunker into your own little cocoon and say, oh, I just do what I'm told. I just do what I'm told. I go, that doesn't always happen. It's not a good sign for not, that happening. Not, not only that, but, I mean, you watch the defensive uh, backfield that looked like they were playing their asses off yesterday. Eddie Jackson with uh, interception returned down to about the one, two-yard line. Uh, you, you saw Jalen, uh, no, Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Make a play on a ball, squatted on it, went over there and almost made the interception, but it got ripped out of his hands. Tyreek Stevenson. Tyreek Stevenson. One guy covering two guys. Yeah. If you want to ask what the hell was going on with the defense, ask yourself what was happening there. And there the player made a great play. Right. Stevenson halves the two guys, puts them in the middle. When Flacco makes the commitment, he goes and makes one hell of an athletic interception to bail out his punt returner that dropped the ball. So there were plays being made. There are guys out there balling, making things happen for yourself. And then all of a sudden you have the collapse at the end of the game. you got to over-communicate in those situations. Okay? The only guys that you can depend upon are the guys that are on the field. You know what the hell you guys did. When I watched the film, I know I, you know who is wrong. You know who's wrong. You don't just go back, well, I did my job and now and that's it. And I'm not even... No, that's not the way it is. It's that teammate. You lose as a team, you win as a team. So is that a little bit disturbing? Of course. But it's been a year of these guys getting attacked because they haven't come together. 
when it looked like they were coming together, all of a sudden they did what they did yesterday. And then at the end, it all could have been right. It all could have been right, and it had been dancing again. Swirsky would have been dancing. Where? Oh, no, he only does that after Bulls victories. Um, Maybe Jeff Joniak would have been dancing. Joniak could have been dancing. But either way, everybody would have been happy. But instead of getting a miracle finish and a miracle continuation of the NFL season, your receiver had the ball go off his hands, off his stomach. Right basket. Back to his foot, kicked it up in the air, and then it goes to the interception to the other team. Great players make great plays. When you have to make them. That's right. Yeah. Let's go out to Toledo. Thomas, you're up next on Carmen and Yurko. Hi, Thomas. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, the thing I'd like to say, I'd like two comments to make about the defense. If they could have covered in Joku, I think we could have won the game. And what's with Brisker? I mean, Brisker is a great player. He's a really solid player. He proved that last week. But the thing I wonder... The thing I wonder is, what's with the bird hands in, uh, in a celebration? <laughs> Wait till you win the game. And on offense, would somebody please, please tell Luke Getzey to quit running fields off tackle? All right, we appreciate it, Thomas. I think you told him. I you, think you told him exactly You did make what. a comment, too, about the, about the bird hands. Uh, who was it that did that? that um, oh, the Dirty Bird. That, that yeah, was Jamal like 20 Anderson. years ago. Like Jamal, 20 years ago. Atlanta. Anderson? Yeah, the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. The Dirty Bird. That, uh, that's I, that's I, Frisker's thing. Listen, everyone's, everyone celebrates now with I, some kind of celebration. I celebrate with the old smack on the ass when the guy makes a great play and gets you off the field. That's you. You really celebrate when you win at the end of the games. Yeah. When you win, that's when you celebrate. Not that's a, what I like to celebrate. But everybody's got to, you know, I had the Gravedigger. I played with the Gravedigger, right? Gilbert Brown. Anytime he coughed on somebody, there he was digging a digging a grave, you know, in the field, getting a shovel out. So, you know, anytime he looked at somebody, there he was, the grave digger's out. <laughs> I mean, what in the hell is going on all the time? But either way, so you play with guys that want to celebrate anytime they do something. And then that's the way it is. They don't punish it. So, boom. Listen, the defense played phenomenal for three quarters. Phenomenal! They played like an elite defense for three quarters. So I'm not going to complain about someone having a little celebration. If that's what gets them pumped up, then, yeah, you know, that's Whatever fine. keeps you interested in the game. I wish there had been more birdies, uh, dirty birds or birdies being flown at the end of the game in the yeah. fourth quarter when somebody needed to come up with a big play and nobody could. That's right. Not a lot of celebrating at Hallis Hall. We will go out to Hallis Hall when head coach Matt Eberflus goes to the podium. But first, let's take a break. 312-332-3776. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. with you, Peggy Kaczynski, filling in for Carmen. You can hear Yurko and I on the post-game show after every Bears game. Available on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, or the ESPN Chicago app. After every Bears game for two hours immediately following the game, we break it down, and I'm back with you today filling in for Carmen, and uh, the good kid here has his um, thoughts on on yesterday's debacle, it was that was that was just heartbreaking. It was gut wrenching. 
A loss like that, you just feel it just in your gut. Well, only because of what you had seen. And, you know, this club was coming together. This club looked like it was heading in the right direction. Guy, they competed against a pretty darn good Cleveland Browns team on the road in, in some crappy conditions. They were competing. It wasn't perfect, but no NFL games are perfect, guys. But you've got to find a way to win. You've got to find a way to put it in the victory column. And uh, unfortunately for this team, they, they find ways to snatch defeat in the jaws of victory. I, in the I, jaws of victory, they find a way to snatch defeat. Yurko, I really liked what you said, though, that imagine the different feeling yeah. today if they had pulled out that win. It, it is such a, a huge swing because this team has, we've been looking for consistency from this team, consistent in winning, consistent performances. And then this, the pendulum just swings so hard And, and it back. swings violently. Vi- like uh, harshly. I mean, they would, if they had pulled that game out, everyone would be talking about the Bears what being up. What a win. Absolutely. What a win. Absolutely. They found a way Something to persevere. To build on. Something but Perseverance. This yes, team. What yes. character. Yep. What toughness. This team's bold. Look what they did. Anybody would have folded their tent there. But no, not the Chicago Bears. And all that took was for that lucky ricochet to come into the hands, sit in the gut of, of, of Mooney. And instead of repelling it, like off repelling mosquitoes off your body, you'd have brought that one in. And he'd have been celebrated. Mooney would be celebrated today. You know, a lot of people are, are playing psychologists when it comes to Darnell Mooney because last week there were a lot of stories about uh, the down year that he's having and that he told reporters last week that he refuses to become a story. He is not going to complain. And people are taking that as being complacency, that he's lost interest, that he's down about his role on this team. And, you know, you hate to play that whole, you know, psychologist watching on television, but someone who is hungry and trying to make a play, that play, that Hail Mary... Maybe well, that. at least he put himself in a position he where he might have been able to make the play. Well, but everyone does on a Hail Mary. If you noticed, he was he was past the play and he came back into the play. Yeah. He was past it. Guy was pushing him out. He found a way at least to get back into the play. And then the ricochet happens and you've and got to react. Falling. Yeah. yeah. The ricochet happens. You've got to react. It hits his hand. As he's falling, hits his belly. Then the immediacy of him stopping hitting his belly forced it to ricochet to his foot. And then he kicked it up in the air. I, I don't know if he was more engaged. Does you know? Does he make a look, or is he more uh, intense? Or if he's asking answering questions, he just said, "I'm not a part of the story. I'm not going to be a distraction." And let's face it, Mooney's got some talent. And he's caught some balls here early on. He caught over a thousand uh, a thousand yards worth of passes. Yeah, nobody would benefit from a change of venue more than he would. Right. Right. And I think at some point you you simply may just recognize that fact. And this is his contract after year. This year. And that's fine for him. Not an issue. I don't get to sign back. You, how sad do you think he is that he won't get to sign back with the Chicago Bears? I, and he probably feels like he needs a, a new... Uh, do you think there's any sadness in him? If, if he bought something, he's probably got a stick in the yard right now for sale. If he bought anything. Is this the time of year smarter, that guys start to... Smarter enough, he, he rented. Yeah. And when you rent, usually you rent by the month. You don't rent That's by the year. Bad. I hate to hear that. Yeah, you, you, you rent by the month. 
that you're just so, AJ, I am ready to go anywhere in the world but Chicago. Anywhere in the world to play football, mm. but to stay here in Chicago. That's Especially too bad. if you're a wide receiver. That's too bad. Well, unless Marvin Harrison Jr. is headed here, then people will forget very easily. Let's go out to Streamwood. Hi, Matt. Hey, Yurko. Hey, Peggy. Thanks for taking my phone call. Yurko, regarding our receivers and our tight ends, it just seems like no. when the receivers don't have the ball, they just don't particularly want to block particularly well, like Mooney and Tyler Scott. And it just seems like next year, when we, I think we're only going to have maybe one or two receivers and maybe one tight end on this roster because it just seems like when the, the, I don't know if it's Luke Getze or if it's the wide receivers coach, but it just seems like they don't seem to teach the wide receivers besides EQ St. Brown, who was, got, was brought here by Getze, who particularly blocks well, but he's always on the injured reserve or inactive all the time. So he doesn't particularly block, you know, so we have no receivers that block when the ball is not coming to them. They miss their assignments. They don't know what to do. And it just seems like these receivers and tight ends, the only thing they can catch, they, the, only they hear, the only thing they're here is to catch, but they don't particularly catch very well either. Yeah, I, I don't want to stun you with this, but it's uh, almost impossible yeah. to block when you're on IR, you're inactive. So St. Brown may be the blocker, but the, their primary focus is to catch the ball. Um Blocking in the NFL hey guys, is like Eberflus is uh, now speaking at House Hall. Sorry right. to interrupt. Let's, let's go let's to Matt Eberflus. Yep. With the players um, this morning, uh, they came in, uh, did their lifting, and uh, worked with the performance staff. It's obviously very important to get their bodies right for this coming week, and uh, that's a big part of it. And uh, for us, it's uh, you know about getting the uh, you know the mind right and the body right and the spirit right, and that's important. You know, uh, if twenty-four uh, hour rules in effect. And uh, obviously, we have to do some things. We got to clean up, um, in, you know, in the fourth quarter there, and that's an important part of that. It really comes down to details. And uh, we talked about that with the players and the coaches um, during the team meeting. Some good things, you know, that uh, you know that happened in the game. Um, you know, since uh, week eleven, you know, we got we had twelve interceptions, fourteen takeaways. So that's a big positive for us going forward. We're going to need to do that in these next three games. Uh, both lead the NFL in that stretch. Um, a four-game stretch with two-plus interceptions. That's been the first time since 2018. Uh, that's been really good. 14 points yesterday off of the turnovers, uh, which is really good. Uh, I think we're really working our returns um, well. Uh, we're starting to get more yards on those. Um, that's a definite improvement. Uh, we've outscored the opponents 39-0 uh, to zero in the third quarter of the last five games. Um, and then, obviously, Tez. You know, Tez has been really uh, a big factor. You know, had a nice strip sack. That was good to see yesterday. Almost got that one on the side. Um, you know, so his uh, career high, you know, he got two and a half sacks. He's got 12 and a half for the season. You know, both lead, you know, and obviously leading our team, uh, which is excellent. Um, so uh, with that, open questions. On that list, Matt, not a lot of offensive accomplishments the last couple of weeks. How do you, how do you, how do you fix it? Is, there, is it as simple as, as just working on technique, or from a coaching standpoint, what do you and Luke need to do to make sure you're in the right positions? Yeah, it's it's uh, imperative that we keep doing uh, taking the shots down the field uh, that we took yesterday. Obviously, we had one to Bobby. That was a big connect. It's important that we do that. That's a big a big part of it. You know, we got DJ on the side. I think that was another big play. You know, and then uh, you know it's important we keep taking the shots down the field because when you do that, you back people off. You know, and it opens up the intermediate part of it you know so and you get people to play you know more shell uh that way and then we feel that can open up the run game for us too and so why aren't having those shots been taken more consistently in your mind 
Yeah, some of them aren't there. You know, some of them aren't there. Yesterday, they, they were giving them to us, you know. So, you know, when the, when you take a shot, you always have release things down underneath. And sometimes we check those things down uh, when they're not there. Um, but uh, you certainly have to take the opportunity, you know, and you have to take you have to call the play. And I know you, you said you had, you had some calls you, you'd probably like to have back or whatever. Just curious, out of curiosity, I mean, third and 15, what's the purpose of Justin Jones dropping into coverage in that play? Yeah, so that's a, a pressure that you have a guy – uh, drop underneath there for the quick throw um, and you're overloading the pressure and you're expecting that to get home and uh, like I said last night he retreated back right uh, for uh, a little bit deeper and had a chance to float it over the top and uh, again that was, that was unfortunate again like I said it's a it's a play that's designed to get the ball spit out fast and tackle him and then uh, get him to fourth down. Did you regret that call is that one that you look back on wishing you had it back? Yeah, you know, I've been calling defenses for 12 years, 13 years now. Um, and uh, every game you have three or four that you want back. Um, you know, so, again, that one there, when it doesn't work uh, in a critical situation, of course, you'd like to see it work, you know, in that situation, but it didn't. Matt, on the fourth and one where Justin Fields keeps the ball, what are the responsibilities for DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney? Is there an yeah. option for DJ to actually get, uh, get a pass off? Yeah. Yeah, there's an option there for sure. You know, it's really a pick play. You know, uh, you know, Darnell's on the line. He's picking for DJ. DJ's, you know, running his route. And then you got a run pass option on the edge. And uh, it's a well-designed play. And, uh, you know, he decided to run it, and he got tripped up. You know, he got tripped up at the point. And, again, if he had more time and didn't have that defender, he'd, he'd end up triggering. Uh, we could throw it over the top to DJ, too. Matt, you talked about it a little last night, but when you have players saying that they were got too comfortable or there was a lull in parts of the second half, what do you need to do as coaches to make sure that that doesn't happen going forward? You know, it's it's to me it's about season momentum. You know, it's really about season momentum. And that play we just talked about, that fourth and one, is a momentum play. You know, we're there in their scoring zone, we're outside the kick line, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we make that play. And then you go up, you know, it's 20 to 7 or it's 24 to 7 at that time. So that was a momentum play. And that's uh, those are the plays that we got to make. And those are the plays that we, like I said, it was a good call uh, for that down. And uh, we got to make those plays. And uh, we just got to keep doing that. And you got to seize momentum. You know, it's not about having, uh, you know, a low there and there. Momentum is going to shift back and forth, right? And we got to, you know, seize the momentum back. You know, if the other team gets momentum, we got to seize it back, and that's what we talked to the players about. Your, your responsibility is obviously overseeing the defense since you took over the coordinator roles. How do you manage to keep an effective pulse on what's happening within a game with your offense when you have to kind of obviously be part of the, the – Yeah, play? yep, that's a great question, and, uh, you know, it certainly justified the question. Um, but uh, I will say this, that during the week, you know, we start, you know, on Monday, you know, talking about the game plan, the opponent, the defense, you know, that we're facing, and what do I see in terms of their coverage, their pressure package, and – we go through in detail with Chris Morgan on the protections, uh, with Getzey on play design, uh, talk about where the open pockets are in those defenses and the run game and the pass game. Then we implement the first and second down plan. So I give my input there. Um, I may see different plays uh, that I look at, you know, during the course of the week, you know, that when I'm watching, hey, this is, you know, and make, and make a cut up and send it to those guys. Um, you know, so that's a big part of it. And then we work down the situations. And I do that every single day. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now, to answer your question, during the game, 
um, you know, it's important for me to stay in constant communication, obviously on the critical downs. And uh, prior to that on Saturday, we go through all the, you know, got to have it, you know, starting at the goal line, go all the way through the fringe area, all the way to the quad zone. So we talk about all those and what the plays are and actually the designs and the ones I've seen in practice that I like and don't like. Um, and then it's the same thing during the game, you know, so, Hey, we're, we're go for it here on fourth and one or one to four during the quad in the quad zone. Um, you know, what are your plays? Gives me the plays. I give suggestions, say, okay, yeah, I like that one. I like that one. And yep. And you, you feel confident about it. Yes, I do. Boom. Let's go. You know, so that's a constant communication as we're going through it. So the involvement, you know, um, is there, you know, I certainly have to, you know, spend a little later nights um, at, at the office because I'm doing both jobs and uh, I, I welcome that. But uh, again, the the input's always there. Matt, when you're when you're talking about momentum and seizing it yep. in the third quarter, when you have players come out and say that they felt they were just happy to be winning, and then they were kind of going through the motions, how much of a responsibility is on the coaches to recognize that and get them going? And how much is on the players to feel that in the moment and say, "Hey, we got to we got to really lock back in here." Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, the momentum thing is 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 all about execution, right? And it's about energy, right? And you got to have that in any part of the game. But you certainly have to have it at the end because the NFL is the NFL, right? And it's uh, it's the way you finish that matters, right? It's the two minute format. Last last two weeks we did it right. You know, Minnesota game we finished it with a winning field goal uh, against Detroit. We finished it with sacks and takeaways, right? So, um, you know, it's all the games that we won this year have all been executed the correct way, you know. Um, and then the ones that we didn't, you know, you can point to the two minute, four minute, or the turnover margin. You know, so those are really the factors that you have in winning in the NFL. You know, so when you do it right, it is right. And uh, the guys know that, and, and we can't, you know, ever relax, you know, uh, with the mindset like that. And I don't believe our guys do that. Um, I, in fact, I know they don't. Um, you know, so we just got to keep the hammer down. On the, fourth, on the fourth and one play you were talking about, the run pass option there, um, in that instance, it didn't seem like Mooney had any sort of way to compensate for the run blitz. Is was that a product of miscommunication of Justin, or of Justin reacting just to what he saw with the defender coming? Yeah, there was there was uh, the communication was fine. It was good. There was just it's man coverage, right? Uh, they we jet motion. They bumped the coverage um, over. Um, you know, the safeties bumped it over, actually. I think one of them should have spun to the middle of the field, but they didn't. There was nobody in the middle of the field. And then, uh, you know, the guy that was on DJ ended up end up triggering on Justin. Justin saw it. Justin went for the went for the, the line to gain. And uh, Mooney tried, you know, tried to get a piece of him. And he got a little bit of him. And, uh, and he ran on the route. So the route, the execution was good. I mean, back to the back to the shots downfield. Yeah. Did you, did you feel like it seemed like in the first couple of drives you guys were dialing them up and they just weren't there. Did you feel like enough of them were called that just for whatever reason Justin was able to complete them when there was pressure? Like, what, did you were you happy with how many shots were called yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, it was. You know, and it's all based on the coverage, right? You know, if they're in their zone coverage and, you know, certain things are open that way. And I think we took some good inside, you know, inside fade type uh, man coverage. Um, you know, we just got to hit on those. Matt, the, your locker room has held, held up strong through similar circumstances like this before. But, frankly, yesterday seemed the reaction just seemed like this was a different type of thing. Like uh, the players who spoke and even those who didn't, it just indicated that this was a far greater sting. At this point of the season, with the playoffs a real long shot, how critical is it that you uh, that 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 there could be uh, that the bottom could fall out, especially these three games? Critical for you, your staff, and everybody. How important? How, how important is it? How critical is it for, uh, for your team, for you and your team at this point? Yeah, um, really, it's uh, just relying on the relationships of the men and the guy next to you. 
you know, so we believe uh, in the man next to it, to you. And that's so important for us, the relationship piece and how hard we work, um, you know, and the guys are tight and we're just going to keep pulling together. And that's what we've been doing all along. And we're going to keep doing that. And uh, that'll be evident in our work. Okay, that we put in for this week, and it'll be evident um, in in the in the play we have on Sunday. But because you're at this stage of the season, do you do anything in particular to make sure that that bond is still strong and that it doesn't weaken when when you really don't need it to? Yeah, it's not anything different. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a contact point and touch point with each guy um, every single week. I'm gonna talk to each guy man to man, look him right in the eye, and talk to him, see how he's doing. I'm gonna have more lengthy conversations um, with with guys uh, during the course of the week. I'll have my normal leadership council meeting. Uh, that I have on Wednesday, um, I'll, I'll talk to those guys in depth, and uh, we'll get a plan for the week um, in terms of how we're going to beat this opponent coming up, and again the mindset that we have uh, for our approach. And on the Cooper touchdown, we talked yesterday obviously about the opportunity for an interception there, but after the catch, what was your coach's eye on obviously a ball that's completed at the 27 and, and the opportunity to get him down before? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you know, that plays a, a deep crossing route, right? And, uh, you know, the corner's got to make a good vision and break, right? Break one third of, dis- break one third of distance when the ball's in the air. And uh, we got to do a good job of getting them on, on the ground. Um, a lot of times what you do is you track the ball. Sometimes not understand where the reception area is, and they got to do a good job understanding where that is and get them on the ground. Do you have an, an, an explanation so uh, as to why your short yardage was bad yesterday? I mean, you had the third and one, fourth and one. Um, you know, then the Justin rollout at the start of the fourth. It seems like the way your offense is built and, and you wanting to establish the run, that you guys should be built for those sorts of situations. Yeah. Again, it comes down to execution, right? It comes down to winning the line of scrimmage. And uh, short yardage is always that. And uh, when you have those plays, you got to win up front. And that, that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, having the right, you know, the right push, obviously, is important. And, and design. Design is also important, too. You know, so it's all three factors. In, in that short um, when it took you four plays to go one yard, you went up the middle twice and, and nothing was happening. Uh, did you have? A, did that scare you away from wanting to go up the middle later? Did, you know, was that the root of some of the you know the no. fly sweep or anything? No, it did not. It did not. It was it was good. Thanks, Thanks man. All right. All right, a lot to digest there from Bears head coach Matt Eberflus meeting with the media as he talked about uh, taking the shots downfield, that they were given those shots downfield by the Browns. He talked about the fourth and one play call with Justin Fields and keeping a pulse on the offensive play calling, even though he is busy all week as the defensive coordinator. We'll address all of that. Also, take your phone calls, 312-332-3776. Carmen and your go back in a bit.